0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Anyway, as you see this little camera in the back, that's TorahAnytime.com Wherever I go, they follow me. I go for lunch, they follow me, I have to use a knife and a fork. Wherever I go, they follow me. But he, they're, they're absolutely amazing and if you happen to have internet for the right reasons because you have to do some business, then once you're on the internet, the place to go is TorahAnytime.com And you can get, how many rabbis, you have 70 rabbis, huh? 83, I'm sorry, keeps adding. 83 rabbis giving different shiurim. And um, if you don't like what he's saying, you push delete. It's amazing. It's like, here, you can't get up and walk out of my share. But if you're watching a share online, you don't like what he's saying, you delete and you skip and you move the mouse around you go to somebody else's share. So anyway, TorahAnytime.com is unbelievable. I want you to know that the rabbitson of Torah, there's a rabbi of Torah Anytime, he's sitting right there, but the rabbitson of TorahAnytime.com is also in the room. And she is even more amazing than him. Because she has to stay home almost every night by herself while her husband is running around taping Shurim. And that's not really what she wants to do. But she does it, she sacrifices herself for Klay Same thing with my wife. I love what I'm doing. She doesn't love what I'm doing. She wants her husband home. Right? So if she's willing to let me do it, She's sacrificing a lot more than I am. So my Rebbe always tells her, you're going to sit in Gan way, way above your husband. And I'm cool with that. I have no problem with that. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. So they want me to talk about Shomer Nagiyah. Anyone here know what Shomer Gia means? What's the translation of Shomer? Watching, Watching or guarding. Nagiyah means touching. Shomer Nagiyah is a subject about boys and girls touching. Now, many of us will ask many questions, and I, we'll save the questions till the end, but I'm going to try to give you a different understanding of what, what does God want from us. He created a boy, you created a girl, we have hormones, and you're telling us that until we get married, we're not allowed to have any physical relationships between boys and girls. Why? Hashem wants to watch us suffer, he's trying to tease us, What's, what's, what's going on over here? So, I like to tell stories. I'm doing this since I'm a little kid. Every time my teacher asks me, where's your homework, I told the story. <laughs> so, I had a lot of practice because I, I never brought my homework. So, I like to tell stories. And I think that by listening to stories, sometimes you can get an answer to your questions even easier than when someone talks directly to you. First of all, I'm talking from a guy's perspective. So, I'm talking from a boy's perspective. Anytime I give a speech on this subject, it's usually not in public. It's usually one-on-one with a girl. And I'm telling her that the boy that you're going out with has these terrible thoughts. And shes they always answer me the same thing. It's the most famous three words that I hear from girls. You ready? It goes like this. I'm telling you, This guy that you're going out with, I don't trust him. He doesn't like you for who you are. He likes you because you're a girl. And if you showed up on your date with a bag over your head, he would still talk to you. And he would still like you. And they're like, Rabbi, how could you talk about my chayim like that? (laughs) And I'm like, because he's a guy and then comes those famous three words but he's different every girl thinks that the boy she's hanging out with he's different all your speeches and all the rabbi's speeches and all the rabbis that speak about this and this whole subject matter is about all the crazy men in the world but rabbi if you get to know my guy you realize he's not made out of that stuff he's he's an angel if you look really closely he has wings on his back because he's my guy so I'll tell you a story that happened with a girl who was going out with a boy they weren't shamanigia and it was moving from bad to worse and I called her into my office to talk to her a girl that I was very close to I used to speak to her a lot and I said to her what are you doing? You're gonna get, you're getting yourself into trouble. And on top of that, how do you know he likes you? Maybe he just likes your body. Who says he likes you? She said, Rabbi Wallerstein, he's different. He promised me he's gonna marry me. I'm like, okay. You really think he's gonna marry you? And she gave me those defiant girl eyes where you guys get defiant and you get that look in your eyes. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, right? She's like, maybe you don't understand it. He loves me. I'm like, so what are you saying? That me and my wife don't love each other? Like, why are you attacking me? Like, what did I say? She goes, no, you don't understand. He's committed to me. Then she said something really crazy. Telling it to a rabbi, she says, and we're going to have children together. I'm like, after the wedding? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. No problem with that. I said I did something terrible. I have I, I asked her mechila for doing it, but I had to do it. I said once and for all, I have to teach a girl that they're not different. That guys are guys, and that's why Hashem has to give us six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. and we got to put on tefillin, and we got to daven three times a day, and we have to go sit and learn, and we have to wear tzitzis. Why? Because if Hashem didn't give us all those mitzvahs, says Isaiah, we would destroy the world. We would attack every woman. We would steal. We would kill. We are animals. I'm talking about myself, not you guys. We are animals. Adam is an animal. <coughs> and therefore, Hashem gave us Judaism. And He gave us a lot of things to do. If you learn and you do mitzvahs, it makes you weak. And you can't be thinking about girls the whole day because you're learning and you're putting on your till and you've got to go to Minyan. And if he, Hashem didn't give that to us, we would destroy the world. Girls don't need 613 mitzvahs. Girls are right. Why don't I have till and why don't I have tzitzis and why don't I have to go to Minyan and why don't I have a mitzvah of learning Torah? And the answer is because you don't need it. Because girls were created to be nurturers, which means protectors and creators. And therefore there's a bracha that you say in the morning that I will never say. HaShem made me according to His will. What do I say in the morning? Thank God I'm not a woman. <laughs> now that sounds like, that's disgusting, Ramboi. How come we can't say, thank God I'm not a man? It has to be fair. And the answer is, that the reason we say, thank God I'm not a woman, is because since we have 613 mitzvahs, and we have to put on tilling and sitzes and go sit and learn. And dime three times a day. So to say to Hashem, thank God I'm not a woman, I'm, uh, uh, to say to Hashem, no, the other way around. In other words, to say to Hashem, I'm, uh, you know, I want it to be a woman. I don't want your mitzvahs. I wish I didn't have to put on tilling. I wish I didn't have to put on sitzes. I'd rather be a woman is a very big insult to Hashem. So our oh, bracha, the Shalaya San you didn't make me a woman so I could put on and I could wear so I could do 613 mitzvahs. Your bracha. That you make in the morning is much greater. What are you saying? You're not saying that you didn't, that you did, that you didn't. You're saying, Hashem, thank you. You made me according to your will. What is the sign of Hashem? What does Hashem want? Every morning you say it. What are you saying? Saying, thank you, Hashem, that you made me according to what you want. What does He want? What does Hashem want? What's your bracha mean? What are you saying? So... Asani Kirtzono means that a woman is created much more with Selim Elohim than a man. Why? Because a woman creates. There's a child, she gets pregnant, the child's in her womb for nine months, then after the child is born, she nurses the child. Then she, she's a, a creator and a nurturer. What is God? God is a creator and a nurturer. He creates us and then He gives us food to eat and water to drink. And therefore, a woman is much more a tselem, an image of Hashem, than a guy. So, therefore, a woman, listen carefully, because I'm, I'm, before I go to this whole Shemini gear, you got to understand who you are. A woman has a mitzvah of tsniyut, and a man doesn't have such a mitzvah of tzniyot. I can wear short sleeves, I can wear short pants, I don't got to cover my hair, I can walk around in a bathing suit, I can play basketball on a basketball court, right? don't have that, but you guys have a, have a very strict mitzvah of, of, of covering up and of being a snua. And the reason is that the creator and the protector is not supposed to be the chaser, not supposed to be the hunter. We as men are hunters. We hunt. We got all the lines for the girls. all the And there's some great new lines that they didn't have in my day that you guys fall for amazing lines you guys have come up with to get girls amazing right it's amazing so I'll tell you like this why is a man a hunter why is a man allowed to marry a hundred women and a woman's only allowed to marry one man it's not fear it's God that doesn't like women no the answer is because when we were created, Hashem took one of our, actually a cell everyone, everyone calls it a rib, it wasn't a rib, one of the sides of our body, and he took from that side and he created a woman. And the question everybody asks, when Hashem ran out of time, he ran out of parts, he could have created man and then created a woman. Why do you got to take from me to create a woman? Leave me alone. What are you taking my rib for? What are you taking my, the side of my body for? Hashem, you know how to create. You created me. Create her. Leave me alone. Hashem put him to sleep. He made an operation, anesthesia, took out his rib, took the rib, and then created the woman. Why? Does anyone here know why? Why Hashem, you know why? I think
1: because he didn't want to create us from dirt, from
0: dust, no? And why? He create me from dirt, not you from dirt? Why? I don't know. Ah, okay. <laughs> so the answer is that man has to chase what he's missing his whole life and therefore to become one since the man lost his rib and the woman was created from that rib from that side so he's always looking for what he lost so he's a hunter he's looking for what he lost so before the Chema Rabbeinu Geshem a man was able to marry one wife and two wives and three wives and four wives we see in the Torah that there were men that had more than one wife and there was no problem with it because He was trying to find what he was missing. But a woman, she's not missing anything. She's created from, like you said, from etzem. She's created from a bone. She's whole. Nobody took anything away from her. She's a creator. She's a nurturer. Therefore, she's not interested in having more than one husband. She just wants one husband that takes care of her and cares about her. She only wants one husband. And God forbid anybody starts up with her husband or her children. She's a mama bear. you messed around with my kids. Listen, I, I, I'm a teacher for 30 years, and, and I have kids in my class, and PTA is dangerous for that teacher. Because when those women come into my room, oh, if I say something wrong about their kid, they chop my head off. If I say, well, you know, your son's not doing that well. He's misbehaving in class. You know why, Rabbi? Because you don't know how to teach. And this school is no good and I don't want to send my kid there all together. You, you don't tell mothers that their kids are not doing well because they're protectors. Fathers, you tell a father his son's not doing well, I'll take away his phone. He's not talking to his friends anymore. I'll teach him a lesson. Hello? The mother, forget about it. you, you to rip your head off. The spelling teacher's no good and the English teacher's no good and you're no good and the school's no good. And I don't know why I pay tuition and you get a whole schmooze. Why? Because she's a protector. She's not hunting. And therefore, if you're not hunting, why aren't you covering your arms and your legs? Why aren't you a Tsnua? You're not hunting anyone. You don't want anyone to look at you. You're not a hunter. So if you're not a hunter, why are you doing these things? Therefore, the, the woman has a halacha of being a Tsnua because her normal disposition is to be happy with what she has. And to protect what she has. And therefore, there's no reason for her to go out in the street and be half undressed so that every single guy that walks by has another comment about another part of her body. What are you doing? What are you bait? You're going fishing? You're the little worm that's wiggling at the end of the hook? Shosani Katsono! That's not who you are! You're not a hunter! I'll tell you a story. I do business in Sacramento, California. So they wanted to take me out. The guys in Tower Tower Records wanted to take me out. So they wanted to take me to the movies. I'm like, I don't go to the movies. They're like, we'll go to a club. I'm like, no. We'll go to a bar. I'm like, no. They're like, we got a good place to go. They have these cowboys, right? We're going to a place where they auction off steers. You know what steers are? These huge cows. That that when you have a steak, it comes from a steer. It doesn't come from the cow that you see that you milk. They don't have any meat on them. You never saw one of these things. They are, they're like seven feet tall. They're they're huge animals. You think that, you know, your meat, they're huge. So the cowboys, they go to these places where they have an auction and they auction off these steers for breeding. If you got a big fat steer and you buy it, then you breed it with another one, then you're going to have great steers and you're going to make a lot of money. So they're going to take me to this auction of steers. Now I'm a Brooklyn boy. I'm like, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be interesting. So we come into this huge tent. It's like a black long. It smells like cows, and you got all the cowboys that are in there with their hats, right? And and they, you know, I, I'm walking in there with my suit. They're all looking at me like, how much? We, how much are they going to auction this Yankee off? But anyway, so. The guy comes into the middle of the room, walks into the middle of the room. He has this huge steer. I mean, I really, it's like, uh, it's like half this room. Huge thing. And he has a tape measure. He has a tape measure. And they start the auction like this. Okay, we have a steer over here. All right, everybody. Start your bidding. Let's check out the neck. Neck, 49 inches. Midriff, 62 inches. Thigh, 52 inches. 6 feet 2 from bottom to top. 7 foot 1 from the top horn to the tail. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself cuz I'm a little bit out of the box in case you didn't figure that out yet. And I'm thinking to myself that poor cow, that poor steer Nebuch, to taking each part of its body apart. All, right, all of a sudden they start. $100, to, they have these like little flags, whatever little things. $100, number 64, 200, 300, 400, 700, 800. Do I hear 900? I don't hear 900. And he walks over to the neck, right? He goes, Look at this neck. It's got these fat, folds. Look at this fat. Look at this neck, everybody. Do I hear 900? 900, fat neck. Yeah. 1,000. <laughs> 1,200. Poor animal. Piece of meat. So what do you think, girls, when you walk down the street and you're not dressed? Same thing. It's an auction. One guy's standing on the corner. Ooh, check that out. Other one, check that out. Oh, well, yeah, look at the girl across the street. Look at her friend. She's taller. She's thinner. I'm not going to describe anything. So what are you doing, girls, to yourself? You're a steer? You're a cow? You're an animal? To be looked at and measured and checked Check me out? Hey, man, check me out. That's what the cow was saying. Hey, man, check me out. So now, this girl who goes dressed like that, what is she screaming to the hunter? I have no self. I don't exist. I'm a piece of meat. And more meat I show you, the more you're going to get attracted to me. Wrong. He's not attracted to you. He doesn't even know your name. He doesn't even know your name. He sees you across the room. You're half dressed. He's attracted. Who's he attracted to? To you? You're a steer. In an auction. Is that what you want to be? Is that what you want to marry someone for? And what happens if your body changes? If the only reason he bought you and he wants to be married to you is your physical body, so what happens when your body changes? He's out the door. He's going to find the biggest steer. So the Torah came along and Hashem came along who created us and he said, I want boys to love girls for who they are. I want them to, to, to be married to them, to have an emotional connection, because emotions are forever. That's who you really are. That's who you really are. So if the guy's marrying you only because you're not dressed as sneer stick, or because you have to touch him, then what happens when you can't touch him? What happens when you're seventh month pregnant and you're in a Your hormones, I don't want, don't go near me. Where's he going to go? Does he love you? He loves touching you. He loves touching you. So he's just going to find someone else to go to. So he's going to go to bars and clubs and terrible places. And you're going to sit home and say, what happened to me here? Where's my husband? He's never your husband. He was an auctioneer, a buyer in a steer meat market. I'm not talking to you. I'm not even talking to you total perspective right now. I'm talking to you as human beings. I'm trying to explain to you why Hashem, he protects his daughters. Tzni is is to protect you, not to protect God. Because if a girl can go out with a boy, and she's dressed and she's covered, and she doesn't let him touch her, and he still wants to marry her, why does he want to marry her? Because he likes her. He knows who she is. He got emotionally attached to her. Once you are physically involved with each other, you don't know what he's attracted to. Maybe he's not attracted to me. Maybe he's just attracted because I'm a girl. So then he's attracted to any girl. So it's not me. But if he can't touch me, and I'm dressed sneezy stick, so what is he attracted to? It must be me. So this girl, I broke her heart. And I know my boys, because I'm a Rebbe of boys for 30 years, and I'm a boy. So I broke her heart, and I knew I was going to break her heart, but I didn't have a choice, because I really didn't, I wanted to protect her. So I said, he's gonna marry you. I don't know what love is. You know what love is. Good. Teach me about love. I want to meet your love boy that you're so sure of. No problem, Rabbi. When should I bring him to the house? I might bring him tonight at seven o'clock. I want to meet him. And you know what? Maybe Rabbi Wallstein is wrong. Maybe he's different. Everyone in this room is thinking right now. My guy is different. Reverend Walshie doesn't know him. But when he meets him, I know what you're thinking. No matter what I'm going to say here tonight, you're going to walk out and say, You know what my Rebbe said? You know what Reverend Walsh said? You're different, right? Aren't you? Like, Come on, tell me you're different. I know. I know what's in your heads. But I've got to tell you what I've got to tell you. And he's going to tell you how different he is. And Reverend Walshie never met me. And Okay. We're all the same. Anyway. Listen carefully. She comes to my house with him. They're, they're just starry-eyed. They walk into the into my house. They're like looking at each other. Oh, so romantic, so beautiful. My heart was pounding. I was like, "Wow, this guy's so lucky. I, this girl's so lucky. I never had such a relationship. Wow, that's like love." I'm like, ooh, we'll see." So he sits down. Shalom aleichem, Rabbi Wallerstein. How are you? Looks me right in the eye. How you doing? She's amazing, isn't she, Rabbi? I'm like, "Yeah, she is amazing." And she's standing there with her innocent like. <laughs> he said, I'm amazing. Did you hear that? Oh, my gosh. He's so different. Oh. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, have a seat. Sit down, bring him some soda, some cookies. I'm like, so you, you love her? He goes, oh, you don't even understand. I'm like, here they go again. How did they know I don't understand? How do they know? Do I look like such a miserable old man that I don't understand? You don't understand. I'm like, okay. So teach me, teach me, I don't understand. Maybe I'll sit down You give me a class on what love is. He says, no, you, you don't understand. I said, okay. I said, so I hear you guys are getting married. Now, they're, they're pretty young. They're not getting married yet, but I said, I hear you guys are getting married. Yeah. It's Hashem. We're going to get married. It's Hashem. We're going to get married. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. I see his lips moving. I know. Okay. And she's just like, she's just sitting there. And she's like, she's, she's like looking at me like, see, see, I told you, I told you he's different. You see? And she wants that look for me. Like you're right. She's waiting for that. You're right. And then life is just roses. I said, when are you getting married? I don't know. I'm committed to her. I don't know what one year, maybe a year. I said, any year, because really, that's you know, you guys are going out for a long time. I think a year is about as long. Yeah, yeah. She goes, you see, I told you. I'm like, hold on a minute. What's your Hebrew name? What's your mother's name? He tells me he thinks I'm going to dumb him for them. I asked <laughs> I ask her, what's I ask her, what's your what's your name? What's your mother's name? I'm like, oh, fantastic. He's one of these Kabbalists that some of you go to. The names match. Thirteen plus thirteen, the same month, the same. Oh, they have to go to the rabbi to check it out to make sure everything matches. They hate each other, but the numbers are good, so it's going to work, right? You understand? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So they check out all the numbers, and they figure I'm going to go in my kitchen. I'm going to do all the number stuff, you know, astrology, whatever. I Go in my kitchen. I have my two friends there, my two buddies. I go in the kitchen, and I write up a star. And the star is a contract. And I write, I Chaim Moshe Ben Yehudis, guarantee one hundred percent that I will believe. Well, I didn't write believe Neda. And I'm making an edda that I will marry, bought this and this, within a year, it will be Hassan and Kala married for life. I wrote it out. I walked in, and I went over to him, and I said, Could you sign this paper? He goes, What is that? I said, It's a star. It's a contract that you're going to sign. Oh, one minute, I said, one minute. Lippy, my two friends, said, Lippy, Yanki, come here for a minute. They come out of the kitchen. They didn't know they were in the kitchen. He goes, what are they? Oh, they're the agent, I said. They're going to sign on the bottom. They're the witnesses. This contract is sort of an engagement with a guarantee, without it, it, that you're going to marry her. And she's all excited, like, Ralph Wilson's pulling the move, right? This is is amazing. Like, he's my man, you know? He's pulling the move for me, right? I remember his face. He turned not white, he turned green. (laughs) And he says, I can't sign it. Now, this girl was in heaven. A second before that. When he said, I can't sign it, I, I, I never, I did this to her, but I had no choice. Her face dropped, her heart dropped. She said, huh? Huh? Why can't you sign it? He goes, well, 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 you know, it's a year. What else is going to happen in a year? Maybe you'll be more religious. Maybe I'll be more religious. I was thinking of going to Israel. Cause you never told me you're going to Israel. I was thinking maybe I'll go learn. How could you sign such a paper? How could you sign such a paper? You know, you want me to talk about Shemrugia. Uh, you're uncorking or something here, but I, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to put it on the table. And, you know, I'm in a shul. I'm a little uncomfortable with what I'm about to say. Well, I'll tell you what I said. So, so he says, I'm not, I'm not signing this. And she starts Crying. You have to sign it. We love each other. She was. Mama, she lost it. She lost it. And he's like, "I'm sorry. I can't sign it. I, I can't sign a contract with two, two witnesses, that, and I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying every minute of it because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy and I know this guy is not committing. He's not committing. In a year, what's, what who knows what's going to happen in a year? Now, I knew that they were a little bit past the holding hands situation. So I got off the table and banged on the table. I was very angry. And I said, did you whisper in her ear when you were making out with her that I'm going to marry you, maybe? We'll see what happens. I might go to Israel. I might change. You might change. Or did you whisper in your ear when you were making out with her, you're my girl. I love you forever. We're going to have children together. You're amazing. What did you whisper in her ear? Liar. You liar, you user, you abuser. Sign that paper! He got up, and he cursed me. Oh, yeah. He said, blank you, Rabbi, and he shot out my front door. And this poor girl sat there and cried for three hours. Baloney! He's not committed to you until he stands under that chuppah and puts a ring on your finger and says, Hare at Kudesha Until that moment, he is not committed. And there's eight girls in this room thinking right now that if Rabbi Wallstein did this test with my guy, he would have signed the paper. Eight of you. <laughs> and I'm not telling you which eight because you know which eight I'm talking about. <laughs> and stop looking at the girl next to you. <laughs> My guy, you don't know what you're talking about, because he would sign the paper. And I tell you no, and I'll do the test. And you don't tell him about it beforehand, though. <laughs> because nobody's committed to a woman until he says those words and puts a ring on her finger. Until he says, Hare Atmakudeshusli. And what does that mean? Hare Atmakudeshusli. I love you. <laughs> you're the only one for me. Very weird. I own you. You're mine. What's up, girl? No. (laughs) You are holy to me. That's how a Jew gets married. Not wow! You are holy to me. And only to me. Why do we talk like that? The most romantic, important moment in a marriage, that first moment instead of the guy saying we're one two hearts beat together I don't know what kind of line guys come up with but that's the lines that we're taught we open that book, you know, what should I say (laughs) the difference between the pickup lines today and the old days when I was was young so the pickup line was you go over to a girl and say if your name's not Yanko, marry me you didn't hop, ok, you didn't grab that anyway but it, but it changed, it changed drastically the new, the new line, maybe not here in, in Great Neck, but the new line is the guy goes to the girl and says ever since I met you I got more religious <laughs> I met you, and now I, I, I go to I go to Minion. I, I, I met you, and, and and I found God. And as girls, as women, as women, that is so the button to push, because every woman has motherly instincts, and she wants to help somebody grow. So the guys got smart. Instead of saying, Whoa! you're unbelievable," want to hang out? The girls are like, "This guy's weird." Well, when he comes out to you and says, it's just amazing, since I met you, I'm like, I'm learning, and Torah, and I'm a new person, and, and I found myself, and the girl's like, oh my God, I'm such a tzaddik, I, I changed his whole life, and then two weeks later, he's all over her, the big tzaddik you made so from and you're thinking listen okay in this part he didn't get so from but uh, he's going to minion. so uh, I did something Hashem there's a school that I know of listen to me the guys in the yeshiva the guys in this yeshiva in high school and after high school 90% of them are woken up in the morning by girlfriends by girlfriends because they're making them from so they call up the boy and they say Hello, it's 7.30, you got to get up and go to Minion. But they don't realize, and girls say to me, "Right, well, how can I stop? I wake him up for Minion! I'm like, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> you're not supposed to be waking him up for Minion. He's supposed to be waking up for Minion. Because if you wake him up for Minion, then you're connected to him, and then when he comes home, when school's over, uh-huh, you won't have to wake him up for Minion because he'll be up all night with you. So the big line today that gets girls, and it's not only in, Ju- in Judaism. It's just like, you changed my life. I used to be a mean, miserable guy, and since I met you, I, I mean, I'm treating my parents differently. I'm, uh, and, and girls love to hear that. You fall for it. It's 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 the line, and every every girl falls for it. And it's not your it's not your fault because you're vulnerable because then you have a guilty conscience. i how could I split up with him? If I break up with him, he's going to go back. He's going to go back to who he was, and then it's going to be my fault, and then Hashem's going to punish me, and look what a big affair I did. And I'm like, hello? You're not his Rebbe, and you're not his mother, and you're not supposed to be the one who's being him. He's supposed to be davening because he loves Hashem. He's supposed to be doing mitzvahs because he's a Jew, not because he wants to get to you. You're not a guy's mother. And you're not his wife until he says, at li. And until he says that, he has no right to touch you. The only person in this world that has the right to touch you is the guy that commits under the chuppah and says, You are holy to me. Oh, I'm holy to you? I'm not some steer in an auction? Then you have a right to touch me. Otherwise, nobody has the right to touch Hashem's daughters. So the reason Hashem gave us a halacha, a law of being Shem is because Hashem wants to protect his princesses. So what do his princesses do? They put on their short skirts and their high heels and their tight dresses. And they're like, here I am. And Hashem says, what are you doing? I'm trying to protect you. And you're running out like this. And those boys that like a girl like that, they're not interested in who you are. Girl, I'm a Rebbe for 30 years. I deal with marriage problems 80% of my time. 80% of my time. And 80 I would say 70% of the marriage problems I deal with is the girl being mistreated, not the guy. And the reason she's being mistreated is because the whole reason they got married was the wrong reason. And when he gets bored of her, he finds somebody else, and he's out with his friends looking at women, and they're going to Atlantic City, and they're going here, and never she sits at home alone, and she cries. He's not interested in her. Because he was never interested in her. So how do you know that a guy is interested in you? It's very simple. If he can't touch you, and there's no part of your body that he could really look at, so why is he dating me eight times? Why is he saying Harry Atma Kodesh-y? It's because he knows Chaya will give a name. Chaya Friedman, he knows Chaya Friedman. He knows her name. He knows her emotions. He knows what, what, what makes her happy. He knows what makes her sad. So that's a person that you can be connected to. But if he's only interested in what you look like, So many marriages are cold, empty bodies. There's no soul in them. Because it started with no soul. Why? Because that's not what you were looking for. Because you don't have the self confidence. Because the girls that parade and don't get dressed, they're the ones who are getting married. So you're thinking to yourself, Walston gave a speech, my teacher gave a speech, walk into a room. And the girl that's standing there, half-dressed, there's 20 guys Googling at her. And I come in with Snua and dress quietly, and everything's covered, and I don't exist. And you're very wrong. Because the 20 guys that are Googling her have no interest in who she is. The one guy that's going to marry you because you're at Snua, because you're a princess, because you have chain which is why Goyim always wanted my Jewish women, because you girls have something that you don't even know what you have, and it's called Chain. It's an inner beauty. Goyim don't have inner beauty. We have a certain inner beauty, and that's why so many times the intermarriage rate is so high, because the Goyim want to get a hold of a Jewish girl, because she has something, even though she may not be as pretty as the Goyish girl, doesn't make a difference. She has Chain. She has a certain beauty, an inner beauty. So by Undressing the outer parts of your body You're hiding the true beauty Which is your inner beauty By covering the outer parts of your body You're undressing your inner beauty That's who you really are Why sell yourself cheap? Yes, 20 guys are not going to Google you and text message you And be your friend on My face, your place, whatever they call that space Whatever it is (laughs) And it, and it, and it, 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 kills me. I have five daughters. It kills me to watch girls sell themselves because they don't have self-confidence of who you are. You're all beautiful inside. Every Jewish girl is beautiful inside. Don't hide it. You have a certain chain. Esther Hamalka, it says she was green. Her name was Hadassah. She had a terrible complexion. It's like you put on that green mud at night and you didn't take it off. Pretty scary. Look like Hulk, whatever, the Hulk, right? It's pretty scary. So here you are, every woman in his, in his kingdom, beautiful women, six months in oil, six months in perfume. You can already imagine how these women dressed, right? In walks this Jewish, covered from the head to toe, green complexion, Esther HaMalka. And what happens? Ahasuerus puts out a scepter and he says, He didn't look at physically what she looked like and the way she walked or how she smelled or how much oil she put on. He saw the chain of Esther. He said, I want to marry this girl. Aye, you have all these beautiful models. Cindy Crawford. Oh. He said, I see something in this girl that I don't see in any of the other ones. I want to marry her. What was Abraham Avinu so worried that Paro, who had a harem of a thousand women, he's going to see Sarah's face. And what is he going to see? Her face is covered. He's going to see her eyes. And I know, said said Abram Avinu, they're going to take you away. What do you mean they're going to take you away? You know how old Sarah was at that point? Who's going to take some Jewish old lady dressed in black, covered up with only her eyes showing, the big paro has harems of young girls. What are you worried about, Abram Avinu? It's very nice to think that of your wife, just the way it should be. But come on, give me a break. <laughs> and the answer is, Abram Avinu knew that what Sarah had in her eyes, all those guys you put together didn't have in their bodies. And you knew that one second they're going to look at Mano's eyes. Finito. They're going to take her. So, the satan, who's very smart, the one thing that the Jewish girl has, which is inner chen, that nobody has, no. Let's not look at that chen, let's look at her body. And then, you lose, you lose your identity, you lose who you are. And if it's a lack of self-confidence, then you need to connect a little bit to Hashem. You need to know, understand who you are. You know, I said, the, prince, the, the, the Queen of England doesn't wear pants. See, I talk about the king and the queen in walks Mr. Namati. Right? Did the, queen of, um, did the queen of Iran wear pants? Or she went out in a gown, Mr. Namati, all the time. Right? In jewelry and a gown. The queen of England doesn't wear pants. Why not? She's not Jewish. She's not Jewish. Why doesn't the queen of England wear pants? You think she went to seminary? She went to Yeshiva? She, you never saw the Queen of England in pants. And the answer is because she's a queen and a queen wears a gown. She dresses differently than the rest of the people. So I got an email after I gave the speech and a girl sent me, Rob Wollaston, you're wrong. I said, okay, the Queen of England does wear pants. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just never saw her wearing pants. And she sent me an email when she rides horses she wears pants. I'm like, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> when she rides horses, she wears pants. I'm sorry. But she's a queen. And a queen is just like a queen. Why do we use the word mikudeshas, girls? A very precious word. It meets Hashem. Whoever is not married and is dating and is of age, give you a bracha that this year you should take to hear it under the chuppah. of from a very special boy who sees who you are. Who sees your chain and your inside who you are you say, how we have Kudoshis, I'll tell you why. Mikudoshes means holy. When they used to give sacrifices in the Beis Hamigdash, so you would go over to an animal and you would say, this animal is holy to the Beis Hamikdash." And once you say that, that animal has to be brought as a sacrifice in the Beis Hamigdash. You can't change your mind. So if a guy has a really great business day, he has a great business deal, he comes into his, his barn, and he's like, wow, I just made $2 million. I shorted the market. i got to give Hashem something big. There's a huge cow. He says, this cow is holy to Hashem. The next day, he gets a phone call from his broker. <gasps> we made a big mistake. We thought we bought the stock. We didn't buy the stock. You didn't make the money. He goes like, oh my goodness, I gave away my best cow. Runs back into the barn and says, hold it, Hashem. I thought yesterday I made $2 million. I did it? Forget the cow. I got this little goat. I'll give him to You, <laughs> you can't. You can't, girls. Once you make the cow holy, you can't make it unholy. Why? Why? An interesting thing in life. Because the day before when you were happy and you were excited, you thought you made $2 million and you made that cow holy, you can never change that moment. Even though now you found out you didn't make the $2 million. and so now you're upset. But if you go back a day, it doesn't change that excitement. That excitement is forever. That moment is forever. So listen to the, to the greatness of God and of the Jewish religion. So therefore, when a man goes underneath the chuppah, and he's looking at his at his wife, and he comes to the realization, and it's a fantastic moment when he puts that ring on her finger, and they look at each other in the eyes. and I always like to watch this, not because I'm weird, but because it says that when when Mashiach comes, we're the Kala and Hashem is the Chasen, and we're going to go with him to the Chuppah, and there's going to be a moment in time when a Chasen and Kala, when you put the ring on, they look at each other for one second, and no matter what's going on in the crowd, all they do is see each other. There's nobody in the whole world. There's that one moment, sometimes after breaking the glass, there's that one moment where they look at each other and then they're screaming, the music's going, and you see that look, just the boy looking at the girl and there's like, no parents, nobody in the place, just the two of them. And I try to catch that look because I know when Mashiach comes, Hashem's going to look at all of us, just us, no goyim, no animals, no world, just me and you. And we're going to look at Hashem when Mashiach comes Hashem Echad. God, it's just you. No, no internet, no TV. No, you're not going to come when Mishael comes with your iPod, with your Shmipod, with all your other stuff. You're going to come there. You're just going to want to see Hashem. There's going to be this crazy moment. And therefore, when we're standing on that Rechopah, and we're coming to this commitment moment, to this woman, that I love you forever. We're going to have children together. We're going to build a bias and them together. And she's looking at him. He's the greatest guy in the world. And he's looking at her. She's beautiful. They're just... That moment that moment is holy to me so then in five months from now or a year from now when we're having a fight me and my wife that doesn't change that moment we had under the chuppah you can't change ever that moment we had under the chuppah can't be changed just like when you make something holy it can't be changed and when you realize that that moment can't be changed then you're going to work on your marriage and try to get back to that moment most of your marriage you're trying to get back to the chuppah to have that moment and that's why we use the word girls so the objective of every girl in this room and every Jewish woman is that every morning when she says to Hashem thank you Hashem that you made me according to your will look at yourself look at what you did the day before and say is that bracha correct am I Hashem's will is this, is, what he, is this what I did today? Is that what he wants from a Jewish girl? If the answer is yes, Baruch Hashem. If the answer is no, I'm not Kirtzono, then the next day be Kirtzono. Change, change your life. So I want to end with a very famous story. I don't know how many of you girls have heard this story from me. Just to explain to you what, I, what I'm saying in a, in, in a story form. We'll end with this. And of course, I'm not talking to any of you. None of you have a problem with Sharmony gear. I'm only giving you this shear so that you can go home and tell your friends that have a problem with it. And this room is only today. I'm not worried about this room. But you'll take the shear and you'll talk to people that you know need to hear about it. Okay. So the story is like this. I love this story. And uh, I'll try to make it as short as possible. It could take me an hour. It could take me ten minutes. So there was this young boy. And he got a job on Wall Street. He was 18 years old. He got a job on Wall Street. Very prestigious in those days. He was a kid just out of high school. And he got a summer job. He was going to be a mail carrier. No big deal. In a big, big firm, he was going to sort the mail and bring it to the people that are trading the stocks. And on his way to Wall Street, he passes a very fancy restaurant. Now, this kid was from the projects. He was a poor kid. He never had anything in his life. And now... He's coming to Ritzy, you know, Ritzy, Ritzy Wall Street. And he walks by this restaurant, and it's very fancy. And he looks in the window, and he thought he'd see a menu in the window. Instead of a menu in the window, there's a bottle of wine. And he looks at the bottle of wine, and the bottle of wine says 1805. 1805, the year 1805. The bottle of wine was made in the year 1805. It's 100 years old. That's cool. A bottle of wine that's hundred years old. That's cool. So he knocks on the door. They open the door. The maitre d' is standing there. He says, uh, "Sorry, it's a very fancy French restaurant." Uh, sorry, we have no jobs for you. Uh, shoe little boy. <laughs> I don't know if they use the word shoe in French, but whatever. Okay. Anyway, shoe little boy. And this kid's like, "Can I just ask you a question?" That bottle of wine in the window. How much is it? <laughs> Child, please get out of my way. That bottle of wine is for sale, but not for you. So what do you mean? Just tell me how much it is. How much are you selling it for? Well, we built this whole restaurant around that bottle. All the people come here to see that bottle. It's in a bottle 1805. Chabri. <laughs> but tell me how much it is. $10,000. How much? $10,000 for that bottle. And the kid goes, huh, I never heard of such that amount of money. Wow. And he walks out. Goes to work, doing his little shuffling of, of, of letters. On the way home, he's like totally fantasized by this bottle. On the way home, he sticks his nose on, you know when you stick your nose on the glass, the little kid, he sticks his nose on the glass and he's trying to read the French words that are under the 1805. And he starts to fantasize. Oh, me and that bottle. Wow.
1: 1805.
0: $10,000. Amazing. Fantastic. I could just see it. I drive up in my limo. I'm wearing my beautiful new suit, my Brioni tie, my Prada shoes. The maitre d comes over to my table and I say, S'il vous plaît, please, could I have the bottle of wine? And he imagines himself sitting at the table and opening the cork. Oh my God! Opening the cork for the first time in a hundred years. He gets to open the cork. It's amazing. He's flipping. He's sweating. His palms are cold. Oh my goodness! The cork and smelling the cork, and then and pouring. He used to watch TV. You know, pouring the wine in that glass. And you know, you know, it's a guy thing. You ever see a guy at a wedding? He wants to talk to you. And he's got that glass of wine in his hand, like swishing it. <laughs> That means he has absolutely no self-esteem. I want you to know that. Big warning. I'm giving you girls a little hint about guys. If he can't talk to someone without a glass of wine swishing in his hand, something's missing. Tell him, like, if you want to talk to me, put the glass down. He goes, oh, I can't. I'm sorry then. <laughs> Head for the hills, girls. Run. Something's wrong. Why do you need to be holding a glass of wine when you talk to me? Yeah, because it's cool. It's cool. Put the glass of wine down. Anyway, he's fantasizing about this Bible. Okay. I'm not gonna keep here all night. He goes back and forth every single day and every morning he looks at it and he's dreaming and he's got different dreams a stretched limo, a this kind of limo, maybe he'll parachute into Wall Street and then he'll get he's got all these crazy (laughs) dreams. Him and his bottle. Ah, love at first sight. Okay. He works there for three years. And he moves up the ladder, and moves up the ladder, and moves up the ladder, and he finally becomes a broker. He never leaves that bottle alone every single day. He checks on it to make sure it's okay. He checks on it to make sure nobody took it away, nobody bought it. And an amazing thing happens. It's before their holiday, and the boss walks in and calls him into his office and says, You have been one of the most amazing workers every day on time. Every day you you, you work extra hours. We at this firm want to show you appreciation. This is for you for the holidays. And he gives him an envelope. And it's fat! And he says, Thank you, thank you. He walks back to his seat, he sits down, and he's shaking. It's money. Oh my goodness. How much should they give me? He runs to the bathroom, he doesn't want to open it in front of everyone, and he starts counting it 100, 200, 300, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 8, 9,000, 9,500, 9,800, 9, dollars My bottle! I got my bottle! People in the bathroom are like, what is he screaming? I got my bottle in the bath. What's going on over there? I got my bottle. He's shaking, he's got goose pimples. I got my bottle. Okay, shh shh shh. Gets himself together, puts the money in his pocket. Okay. Goes downstairs. He's like, I know what's gonna happen, God's gonna do this to me. I'm gonna I have the money, I'm gonna go there. They sold it. They sold it. Now that would be a normal Wallstein story, by the way. He gets to the window and it's gone. Ha ha and all of you. No, okay. it's not that's not how it ends. So, he comes down, he goes to the window, and there she is, all by herself, alone in the window, on velvet, 1805, his French wine. He says, okay, I'm going to teach that matron d' something. Goes home, he's got some money saved up from his working. Uh, Yellow page, yellow page, yellow page. Okay, Zeller's, Zeller's tuxedo. Okay, Zeller's tuxedo. Hello, hello, Zeller's, Zeller's? Um... Can, can, I, can I get a tuxedo by, 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 by 9 o'clock? Yes, we'll deliver it to you. Okay, no problem. Uh, limousine, can I get a limousine? Yes, no problem. He runs to the bathroom, he shaves, he takes a shower, spritzes. He's going out tonight with his love. This is his love, this is his, this is his bottle. He's spritzing aftershave, nice polo cologne, he gets dressed stuff, he's got his tuxedo on, he's got a shiny, nice pat leather shoes. This is his night, this is, this is his marriage. He's going to get finally what he waited for. Three years, his dream. The man said, right? I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. Comes downstairs, right? Gets into the limo. The guy's like, wow, you are dressed really nice. You smell good. Like, who's the woman? He's like, forget I can't explain it. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, you're not going to understand. All right. Anyway, he already called. Same maitre d'. He called from his phone and he put on his little French voice. Hello, I'd like a table for women. You know? And the maitre d' is, Sure, where would you like to sit? South wing? North wing? East wing? This is a restaurant. It has wings. And I'm not talking about giving you wings. It has wings. It's big. (laughs) And he says, I would like to sit facing the window. A little weird. Okay? Fine. Maitre d' says, No problem. Limo pulls up. Major G's thinking, big tip, limo. Guy steps out. He doesn't recognize the kid. He's dressed in a tuxedo with his hair slicked back. You know, I get the little grease in the hair, little moose, right? Walks in. The whole place is like, whoa. All right, comes walking in. He says, where's my table? Oh, there's table facing the window. He sits down at the table, and he's just staring at that bottle. And it's him in the bottle. There's nothing else in the world. Mazel tov, you know, Harry out McCuddishously to a bottle of wine. <laughs> and you're just staring at that bottle. And all of a sudden the waitress walks over, she has a menu in French. She puts it down. He, he looks at it the wrong way, upside down. He doesn't know how to read French, whatever it is. And she says, No, sir, turn it around. He turns it around. And of course, he can't read anything that's on that menu because it's all pretty much French words. My mother always said, If you can't spell it, don't eat it. You know, that's what my mother's advice. But he looks at it and he says, Waitress, I, I don't know. You Just bring me, you know, Three courses. I don't know. Give me an appetizer or something good and a soup and a and a main dish and a dessert. You know, whatever you like. Tonight's my night. She's thinking big tip. The guy's dressed, tucceeded by himself. It's a little weird sitting by himself, you know, at a table facing the window. No questions. She comes walking over, a separate waiter with the wine list, right? Comes over with the wine list. Sir... Would you like this wine, a mouscato, with $180 a bottle, $200 a bottle, $400 a bottle? Uh, 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 he goes, excuse me, don't insult me. I want the bottle in the window. <gasps> uh, sir, the bottle in the window, um, I think we need to. I think you need to talk to the maitre d'. Okay, call him over. Maitre d' comes over. He says, I'd like the bottle in the window. Oh, well, the bottle in the window, That's our whole restaurant is based on that. He says, is the bottle in the window for sale? He says, yeah, Absolutely how much is it he goes $10,000 he says I'll take the bottle The he says yeah but you know we've had this once before you gotta pay for the bottle now before we get it because we had a $2,000 bottle and the guy drank it and then he never paid for it so we need the money now sir if you don't have the money it's okay we have other wine he's like you don't understand she's mine she's yours Uh, yeah the bottle is mine and he takes out his envelope with the $10,000. And he says, count it in the kitchen. I don't want to, you know, count it in the restaurant. And he counts it, his $10,000. And he says, we got a buyer. We got a buyer. He's a young kid. We got a buyer. All of the waitress is definitely falling in love with him. $10,000 bottle, right? Wine, he got a right? Okay. So, but now they got to send the window dresser to take that out, to put another one in. It's has like gun some ice. It's a whole thing. So he's sitting there and he's eating his whatever French food, his appetizer. And the waitress who likes him now, he's got $10,000, goes up to him and says, listen, while you're waiting for your bottle, you're supposed to drink wine with with your appetizer. Can I get you a bottle of white wine? He goes, okay. You know, while I'm waiting, no problem. So she gets a bottle of white wine. She says, it's on the house. She spent $10,000 on a bottle. It's on the house. They give him a glass of wine. This guy never drank wine. This kid never drank wine. So he drinks down this whole glass of white wine. He's starting to spin. But he's waiting for his bottle. And then they give him the soup. And after the soup, they give him another wine. And he drinks that one. And now he's spinning even more. Now he comes to the main dish. And they're like, with this kind of French steak, you've got to have Merlot or Merlot or whatever that wine is. And you've got to have this and you've got to have that. And he says, okay, I'll try a glass. He's already tipsy. He's already half drunk. I'll try a glass of this. And I'll try a glass of this. And this is fruity. And this is dry. And he's having a party. And he's just drinking away. He's drinking away. And he is totally drunk. He's totally blitzed and finally, he's fallen asleep. And they come to, the, they, they finally get the bottle out, and they bring him the $10,000, 1805 bottle of wine, his dream, his fantasy, his girl, his life. He spent three years every day with her. And they bring it to him, and he's half drunk. And they're like, Sir, we have your bottle. Uh, my bottle? What bottle? What are you talking about? We have your bottle. Oh okay, so why don't you open it? Well, I, you spent $10,000. We'd think that you'd want to open it. me <laughs> open it. I'm a customer. You open it. Idiot! Three years you're waiting to open that bottle! Uh, you open it. They open it. They go, would you like to smell the cork? Oh, you know how many hours he spent dreaming on smelling that cork? Oh, he was like, you know how many days and weeks he spent dreaming about smelling that cork? You want to know what he did with that cork, girls? He said, cork! Where is the cork? And he takes it, and he throws it across the room at a lady. That's pretty funny. It's very sad. So there is no cork, and there is no opening of the bottle, and they're standing there, and they're like... Okay, would you like to taste it? A hundred year old bottle. Yeah, let's check it out. I'll pour for myself. And the bottle's emptying on the floor and on the table. And it's all over the place. And it just gets a drop into the cup. Huh? Tricky bottle, it moves. And he's got a little bit in the cup. And Okay, let's see what it tastes like. Oh, and he falls onto the table. Out! Blitzed out of his brains. Out! He's sleeping an hour, two hours. They're very patient. Finally, they got to close the restaurant. They wake him up. Hey, you got to get up! You got to get up! You got to go. We're closing the restaurant. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Um, where's my bottle? When are you bringing out my bottle? When are you giving me my bottle? What do you mean we gave it to you? You, you. You poured it pretty much on the floor, and then look at your shirt and your tie. That's where it is. Liars! Got nothing. You're stealing from me. You never gave me my bottle. I want my $10,000 bottle now. I jumped about the it for three years. I want it now. You can't do this to me. It's a lie. I want it now. And the owner comes down. What's going on? You robbers. I'm calling the police. I want my $10,000 bottle now. And they said, we'll get it out of the garbage for you. No problem. In fact, I didn't even tell you the story correctly, because actually, when he finished the the glass, he threw the bottle across the room. There was nothing to get for him, just pieces of glass. And the owner is a very smart man. He says, you know what, kid, I feel bad for you. I feel bad. I used to watch you sometimes stick your nose on that window and look at that bottle. I'm really sorry what happened. No, you're a bunch of liars. Okay, we have a film. We have a camera in our restaurant. Come up, come Come upstairs, we're going to show you. Can anyone in this room, can any girl in this room imagine the pain that this boy had sitting and watching the film of him drunk, taking the cork, throwing it across the room, pouring the wine on the floor, throwing the bottle across the room. Could you imagine him sitting there and watching this happening and screaming, I'm an idiot, I'm a fool, my fantasy is over, I can't believe I did this. He's done. It's over. Everything he dreamt about, it's over. Crazy story. Every girl in this room has a dream. A beautiful dream. Family. Husband from when she was four, five, six years old, she was playing Cinderella. She was playing with her dolls. She had her guy doll and her girl doll and the princess and the prince and I'm going to be the princess and he's going to be my prince. And she has this fantasy from when she's 5 and 6 and 7 and 11 and 12. And she can't imagine who this guy's going to be and we're going to be so loving. We're going to be different. He's going to be different and I'm going to be different. It's Romeo and Juliet and they have this beautiful dream of what they're going to have. And then when they're 14, 15 years old... When 14, 15 years old, they start to get drunk. They start to drink from other wines. Why are you going out with a bunch of boys? Why aren't you showing the gear? Your bottle of 1805 that you've been waiting for all your life? How are you going to enjoy that if you're drunk? How are you going to enjoy that if you were with six other guys? So when you're standing next to the chas and you're like, I gotta compare, I gotta compare him to the other six bottles. I'm drunk! Cause by the time you get to your chuppah, you're drunk! Cause you let other boys touch you! So this guy's not the first time he touched you! The, the, the supposed to be the first one to touch you! But he says, I'm Kudashisli! But you had so many different glasses of wine! That the one bottle that you waited for and you fantasized and you drank your whole life! Yallah, has no taste! on the floor your whole fantasy your whole dream on the floor for what? for cheap wine for a touch for a look for what girls for what? you're doing what this guy did exactly the same thing you're putting on your tuxedo you're getting into your limo you have this fantasy about what life's going to be what your husband's going to be why are you ruining it? why are you busy with other boys? Boys who don't care about you. Boys who are not committed to you. Boys who are not going to say, Hari Atma Boys that are not going to take care of your children. Boys that are not going to take care of you when you don't feel well. Why are you wasting it? You're doing what this guy did. And then you're going to say, Hashem, it's your fault. It's your fault. And Hashem is going to say, no. I and Raya, everything's on tape. And you're going to come up after 120 years, and Hashem's going to show you the tape that you created. That's Gehenim. Everyone thinks Gehenim is a fire that they throw you into. Gehenim is watching your own life when you throw away all the precious things and you drink the cheap wine. That's Gehenim. Eden is sitting there and watching your life and having that bottle of wine. That you waited so long for. Having that mishpacha and that husband and that life that you waited so long for. That's Ganei them. So, it's not about me coming here and criticizing anyone. I don't judge anybody. God is the judge and God is the only judge. And you are his daughters. And he knows every single girl. What she went through, where she's coming from. And he has a lot of rachmanis and a lot of pity. And he understands his daughters. But he wants his daughters to know You are what I want, says Hashem. You are my will. Not those guys. Those girls. And that's why we have an novel And that's why you have this program. In order to develop you. That when you get up in the morning and you make that bracha, you say, No! Check out your daughter, God! Huh? I'm doing your will. I'm, I'm what... I'm why you created the world. Wow. Amazing. Don't let any boy get in your way. Don't let any boy get in between. Only one. And that one won't get in your way. And that's the one you marry. Zehu. Because otherwise, you're wasting your life. You're pouring out all your beauty, all your chen, all your, all your chen, all the beauty that you have. You're so drunk with America and... The internet and a terrible thing. I know people hate when I talk about Facebook. Where you you put yourself on Facebook? Where you just where are you? Who knows you? Who could know someone from a computer? Who could know someone from a text message? I'm waiting till I go to a wedding where they don't even say "Harei Lee, They text it. <laughs> it's going to happen. Chassan facing Kala. Harei <laughs> It's a horror, is so amazing, there's no more feelings, there's no more emotion. So why are you going on a place called Facebook and putting your name out and putting pictures of yourself? What are you? You're a steer, you're a piece of meat? Come look at me and see if you'll be my friend. That's how you have friends, that's what you need, that's how low you think of yourself. You need 600 friends on the internet so you can tell your friend, Oh, you have 500? I got
1: 600.
0: <laughs> Those are friends? Those are people who care about you because they're in your box in Facebook? Give me a break. Give me a break. They can turn you off in two seconds. Thank you. I have no friends. Not by my choice. Not by my choice. Believe me. I was not happy to find out, and I'll say publicly that this share tonight was on Facebook, knowing how against I am of that. I'm not happy. I, I'm not happy. I'm not for sale. I'm not a piece of meat. I don't want to be in Sidon, okay? Because people tell me, but this, this, this is on Facebook and that's on Facebook. You know what? Put a mezuzah on a toilet in a bathroom. It's still a bathroom. So to tell me that there's good things on it, I couldn't care less. Put a mezuzah on a toilet. It's still a toilet. Put a gold ring in the nose of a pig. It's a pig, says the girl. It doesn't change. I don't want to be on Facebook, and I didn't give anyone wishes to put me on Facebook. I'm there, what should I do? There's nothing I can do about it. It's a terrible place. They make fun of Judaism, they have these parties to joke. Bring your tilling. Bring your tilling. Hashem should forgive us. Girls, it's great to know that the guys are going to be there all night with you, they're going to put on tilling in the morning. Yay. Facebook all the filth and the dirt and the guy even know about it because this guy broke in a few months ago there's a whole write-up that he broke into facebook into people's private whatever it's called zone or whatever they're in and he downloaded their picture their personal pictures what are you putting your personal pictures on a computer what is wrong with you what is wrong with you why would you put your picture out there for the world to see what are you what are you selling why do you need to be on there why don't you have real friends Go out to eat with them. Have pizza with them. Talk to them. Speak to them. Cry with them. Laugh with them. It's just garbage with a bunch of letters on a screen. There's no life. It's the world of of, of death. It's the world of darkness. No life on that screen. I would shut it down in a minute. I don't care how much Torah is on there. It's a bad place. It's a bad place with a lot of mezuzahs to fool you. There's a reason the Sultan calls it The net. The spider also has the web and the net. It's a terrible place. And there are so many marriages today that are broken because of it. Where guys are telling their wives that they have to work at night. And they sit there for four hours. And they're sending messages to women all over the place and looking at pictures. And and girls doing the same thing. Wives doing the same thing. Because we all have to have this fantasy and we all have to have these little glasses of wine when the bottle of 1805 is sitting right in front of us. But we got, we got, why we, I don't understand it. I'm not a crazy guy. I'm not a 90 year old man. Have real friends. What's wrong with having real friends? Why do you, why do you need to be on a screen? Yeah, we need it. You can, you know what? Before this, you could get a hold of your friends also. It's a terrible place. And don't tell me anyone that's on Facebook that you don't know it's a terrible place and that one time two times three times when you, yeah, you went off a little bit to check out this that and the other thing yeah. everybody does so what do you need it for girls who went off I asked to go off they sent me back they said you saved my life I thought they were going to say you saved my life I'm religious huh? you saved my life I was on Facebook seven, eight hours in a row I could not turn it off doesn't that tell you there's something wrong with it nobody ever calls me and says I was learning Torah for seven hours I got a problem <laughs> Your life, your parents you don't talk to, your friends you don't talk to, you have nothing to do with anyone, you sit by a screen. <laughs> you know what? It's a big mistake. Hashem gave us a mouth to talk to people, not fingers. Fingers are for other things. Something's wrong in this world. Now everybody talks from their fingers. So who talks from their fingers, girls? Who talks from their fingers? Who uses sign language? <laughs> people who are deaf. So people who are using their fingers to talk, they're deaf. They don't hear anything anymore. They want to sit there all day, text message and text message. Cool, pick up the phone. Hi, how are you? What does hi, how are you, in a text message do for you? We should do it you, you should do an experiment next week, Mid Shem. Okay? Every Take pairs of I'm of Serious. See if Rebbe Wallstein's right. Each Chavuses sits at the table, right? You text, one should text the other one. Hi, how are you? And the other one should send back, Hi, how are you? Okay? And then ask them how they feel emotionally about that connection. And then, have them put their phones away and look at each other and say, Chana Miriam, so instead of meeting people, instead of saying, hi, how are you? What's your name? No. Hi, how are you? What's your phone number? What's your cell number? Because that's it. That's a whole life. It's a whole life. A little child. You ever hear this story? A little child of his father on a happy birthday. He said, he said, daddy, I want a birthday. It's my birthday. His father said, what do you want for your birthday? He said, dad, I want you to treat me like your cell phone. So the father looked at the son and said, what does that mean? He said, Dad, that's all I want. You treat me like your cell phone, I'm happy. That's what I want for my birthday. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, if you treat me like your cell phone, you'll be talking to me all day. Because that's what you do all day on your cell phone. You'll be listening to me all day because that's what you do on your cell phone. You're going to upgrade me every couple of months. And you're going to keep me charged all the time. It's, It's very sad. It's very sad. How many girls in this room come home from school and work? Go right through the kitchen. You don't talk to your parents. You don't talk to your siblings because you're on your phone. And then your mother comes to the table and she's on the phone. And your father comes to the table and he's on the phone. And everyone wants to know why there's no family. And the funny thing is that none of them are talking to each other on the phone. They're all talking to somebody else. He's killing us. It's a horror, girls. He's killing us. He's destroying our relationships as human beings. Give it up for an hour or two. You come home, close it for an hour or two. Put it away for an hour or two. You'll see, you'll see that you can't. And my father always taught me, you're not allowed to have what you have to have. You're only allowed to have what you don't have to have. If you have to have a drink, you're not allowed to take a drink. You're an alcoholic. If you have to have a cigarette, then you're not allowed to smoke a cigarette. Because then, A smoker. If you gotta gamble, you're not allowed to gamble. Whatever you have to do is an addiction. If it's an addiction, that means it owns you, you don't own it. So tonight or tomorrow, find out who owns who. Do you own your phone or your phone owns you? I dare any girl in this room tomorrow morning when she wakes up to take her phone, put it in a drawer, turn it off, and spend the whole day till the following morning without a phone. If you can't do that, you're not allowed to have a phone. Then you're addicted to it. Shabbos doesn't count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shabbos.
0: Shabbos doesn't count because you don't have an addiction on Shabbos. Even the smoker doesn't smoke on Shabbos because you have a neshama yisairah. Shabbos doesn't mean that you're not addicted.
1: <laughs>
0: and so turn it off.
1: <laughs> right. not, oh, you hear it, right. <laughs> I got news for
0: you. I got news for you. I went to David Mincha today I left my cell phone in my car. Because if it rings in sure you get all embarrassed, right? I'm standing there in the middle of Mincha, and I feel it vibrating in my jacket pocket. And I put my hand into my pocket, and then I realize, it can't be vibrating in my pocket because it's in my car.
1: <laughs>
0: How many of you felt your phone vibrating and you didn't even have it? <laughs> so what does that mean? Who owns who? <laughs> should all have a bracha? Hashem should help you. That you should have clarity. And Hashem should give you all, everyone in this room, married, not married, single, doesn't matter how old you are, whatever that bottle of wine is, the kedusha and holiness, that you dreamt about your whole life since you were a little girl, that family, those children, that husband, that life, that you dreamt about, Hashem should give you what you dreamt about.